In case you missed it on Wednesday, Jim Tote spoke with a young woman named Maya, who shared her experience from earlier this year when she was at a Winnipeg nightclub and someone drugged her, and she managed to avoid a potentially dangerous situation, but this is happening more than we realize, and we thank her for coming forward to share her story. We also talked today about best before dates. Recent survey says most Canadians oppose eliminating best before dates. A lot of places around the world are starting to do this to try to reduce food waste, but Canadians not having it. Derek Taylor joined us, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, teeing up tonight's game. And back to that best before dates, we actually had a lot of fun talking to you about your best before dates adventures. I'm Brett McGarry, working from home, alongside Greg Mackling, working at the studio, and Loren McNabb filling in on Connecting Winnipeg. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Thursday, August 25th podcast for The Star. Hi! Well, hello. Play it again. Hi! (laughs) Christian O'Mell, is that you? Yeah. That's Christian O'Mell. Um, and if you've never heard it, and I thought, see, here's the thing. Whenever Christian tosses in his podcast intro, because Christian's working from home, so he records his intro and puts it into our system for the evening producer to assemble the podcast, and he always starts it with that, Hi! 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 And I thought, I thought it was just him joking around. I, it turns out I need to pay more attention to our podcasts because that's how every podcast for the CJOB Sports Show starts. <laughs> that's how every visit with Christian starts in person. Hi. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's just kind of, that's just sort of his M.O. Hi. Very nonchalant and there's nothing ever very mushy or anything. Although I did get a hug from Christian last summer. I hadn't seen him in probably 19 months and he actually gave me a hug i was taken aback by that wow yeah a hug from christian omel yeah the host of the cjob sports show so once again if you want to hear more of the hi subscribe to the podcast hi brad cjob.com hello there gregory how are you feeling buddy uh today is a mixed bag i have uh less of a cough although when it does when the cough does say hello, it's it's a bit noisier, but it's not as frequent. And, and yesterday it was like it was really slight, and uh, the sniffles have gone down even a bit more. And again, those were very slight yesterday. Yesterday was just a nuisance. Like it, I was almost. <laughs> this is sort of dumb. I was almost annoyed that I wasn't more sick. If that makes any sense, like, I got to stay home for this. <laughs> yes, understood. Uh, like I've worked through colds 10 times worse in the before times and I get it, you know, the things have changed, but, uh, today, um, I, w- I got up at 3am. I was like, okay, I'm going to get up at three and I'm going to, you know, take a shower and get cracking early. And I was standing in the kitchen and I thought I need to lie back down because I thought I was going to fall over. I just, um, I'm quite weak. I am shaky. I am achy <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I popped an ibuprofen, and hopefully uh, that uh, comes better. I feel, you know what? I feel hungover. It basically feels like a bad hangover. Today. Well, just just reading your text message now, you conveying off the air about how you're feeling right now. I can't read this on the air, but okay, I get it now. 
I shouldn't have asked. In other words, <laughs> let's move on. Lots okay. of stuff to discuss today. Not because, you know, we, we couldn't talk about this for a, a long time, but we've got lots to get to today, including something that I know you just spent a little bit of time, quite a bit of time listening to. And and it's not often that when we go back and, and listen to interviews or conversations from other programs, we go, you know what, we're just going to run three, four, five minutes but that's what's going to happen just after 7 o'clock this morning. Yesterday, Jim Toth had a conversation with a young Winnipeg woman, or young Manitoba woman, I believe she said she uh, came in from outside the city, so pardon me, but um, she was drugged at a nightclub earlier this year, and this was something that young women had to be vigilant about when I was going to nightclubs some 20, 25 years ago. And it makes me sad, it makes me angry to learn that this continues to be not just a problem, but by the sounds of it, a serious problem, because this young woman, Maya, says that 20 of her friends have had similar experiences. So she uh, wanted to, this happened to her earlier this year, and in the wake of friends having similar experiences, she decided she wanted to speak up and let people know that this is a problem. And it's it's frightening, and her story is scary, and uh, I admire her tenacity. You know, she went to the hospital to get tested, and she had to push them to get the doctor to come down so she could get tested because she needed to know. And it turns out she had fentanyl in her blood. My word. I did not hear this yesterday. I was uh, doing a couple of other projects yesterday, but I did hear about it and I did see some conversation back and forth about how strong this interview was and this discussion and how critical it is. So uh, thanks for jumping all over that, Brett. Uh, I, you know, I, I hate to say I'm looking forward to hearing this, but I, I, I think it's uh, critical that we share that with our audience this morning. So that's coming up at 7.05. And indeed, I think this is something that all uh, Winnipeggers, all Manitobans, and quite frankly, all Canadians should should know about because, you know, this certainly won't be isolated just to Winnipeg. And she had a, a critical message at the end of the interview. If you want to hear the whole thing, you can hear it at cjob.com in the audio vault. But she just said, like, mess, gave a message to to guys. If you're going to a nightclub, with with a bunch of girls, just make sure you watch out for them because uh, all, all it takes is the blink of an eye for someone to drop something in somebody's drink. So uh, that's really unfortunate. So that's at 7.05. And then looking a bit further down the road, coming up tonight, you are going to be back at IG Field. Can't wait. Looking forward to this game. It's the third of three meetings, well, at least so far, between the Blue Bombers and the Stampeders, the Champs versus the Stamps. And uh, 28,000-plus tickets sold as of yesterday. So another great crowd at IG Field, a perfect night for football. But three games, the Bombers have won two of the first three matchups. To win three games against the same team in a football season is very difficult to do, and these teams are likely destined to meet one another in the playoffs like, you know, again this year. So Derek Taylor will join us. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and how difficult that might be as the Blue Bombers, of course, come off their first loss of the season against Montreal two weeks ago at IG Field. And Calgary, with a quarterbacking controversy, will we see Bo Levi Mitchell tonight? Uh, word out of Calgary is that it's likely to be Jake Meyer who gets the start for the Stamps. So uh, it will be a different look, Stampeders, uh, by all accounts, as uh, these two teams, two of 
of the top teams in the league face off against one another. Mackling and McGarry McNabb on connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. The wind out of the airport, by the way, is west-northwest, 10 kilometers an hour. And, Greg, that's actually pushing that smoke from that fire at a two-story home in the West End on Banning Street near Wellington. Uh, it's pushing it out here. I can smell that smoke, and I can even see it sort of peeking around the corner of my uh, apartment building. So that uh, must be quite the fire. Yeah, Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, of course, on the scene. We've got a camera there, and uh, so I've seen it on monitors in our newsroom, but sitting where I'm sitting, I can see the smoke. It's uh, it's not black smoke. It's that whitish gray smoke, and it is starting to dissipate, so it would appear as though Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service have that fire under control in the West End. That's in the old stomping grounds for me, Brett, just uh, over by Daniel McIntyre Collegiate. So if you're smelling smoke in that part of the city, that is why. We are going to tell you in our next segment how you can win yourself some tickets for WWE Friday Night Smackdown, September 30th, Canada Life Centre. And it actually is going to tie into what we're about to discuss right now. One of the fallouts from the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Oh, pardon me. This the, I think we're doing that at 8.05. Right now, we're going to be discussing something a little bit different here, Mackling. So maybe my computer is glitching out. I'll just let oh, you tee this up. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this That's my that's my, uh, that's my my mistake, Brett. Sorry, partner. I'm going to slide this in here. There we go. Uh, there you go. The Agri-Food <laughs> Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in partnership with Angus Reid is releasing a new report on best before dates and food waste. It's still loading on mine, Greg. It has been suggested numerous times that best before dates will generate more food waste. Consumers will be influenced by dates shown on food packaging, whether they are expiry or best before dates. In recent months, several grocers in Europe, like Morrison's and Waitrose, have opted to eliminate best before dates with the intention to reduce food waste. Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, is director at Agri-Food Analytics Lab, at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Good morning, Sylvain. Good morning. So what is the difference between a best before and an expiration date? Well, uh, an expiry date is slapped on a few products in Canada that suggest that you shouldn't even think of eating that product after that date. Baby formula is one example. <clears throat> but, but the best before dates... It uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad after. Uh, it, it's just a point of reference. It's slapped on products, on fresh products, and uh, shelf-stable products as well that you would find at the center of the store. And uh, typically, uh, the range is anywhere between 10 to 90 days, depending on uh, how perishable the product is. So in dairy, for example, uh, you're looking at dates uh, of less than 10 days, uh, and, and the center of the store, most likely you'll find best before dates that are at 90 days, just to give you an example. Yeah, I was looking at uh, looking to see if I had any Lipton's chicken noodle soup in my cupboard yesterday. I knew I, I had bought some a few months back, and I did find some, and its best before date was like March of 2023. And I thought, <laughs> what are they putting in there that it can last that long? But... <laughs> Yeah. The question, the question uh, Sylvain, how are these dates impacting food waste? 
Well, so uh, in uh, in research, what we found uh, is that uh, there are two things that are driving food waste. One is bad inventory management at home. Uh, so you may forget what's in your cupboard, in your freezer, in your fridge, even on your kitchen counter. Uh, you may go out to eat and you were planning to eat at home and then all of a sudden you have leftovers and, and you throw all that stuff out. So that leads to a lot of waste. The other driver appears to be best before dates. A lot of people, in fact, according to our report this morning, 78% of Canadians have actually thrown away uh, products that were unopened after the best before date. Uh, so that certainly leads to way more more food waste. But there is a paradox. A lot of people, 65% of Canadians have actually eaten a product past uh, the buffet's before date. So there's there's a mixed bag of 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 methods to manage risks out there, I guess. So I have a question for you with regard to our respect for these dates. Does it depend on the type of package? Does it depend on the type of food in terms of how strictly we abide by or respect these best before dates, Sylvain? I think it depends on on who you are, (laughs) really. I mean, if you're young and healthy and you're doing great, uh, you can trust your senses. The challenge, though, is that some pathogens aren't necessarily, you can't really uh, smell, say, listeria or see listeria or even taste it. Uh, You know, the 2008 uh, maple leaf outbreak uh, was exactly that. A lot of people died uh, without knowing that listeria was in their sandwiches and things like that. And so uh, that's the danger here. But if you're healthy, you can trust your senses. If you're, if you're not, if, you're, if you have a compromised immune system, for example, uh, I wouldn't take a chance. So the, when it comes to stuff like milk, it's pretty easy to just do the sniff test. You know, you crack, because I've bought milk right off the shelf and gotten it home and, re, and realized that it had gone bad. Uh, and you, you could smell it as soon as you cracked it open. But for other things, like are there other products? I know a lot of people are finicky about Stuff like salad dressing, they don't want to take a chance on that if it's hit its best before date. But uh, can that same method be employed? Just use the sniff test? Pro- probably. The, the, the thing that uh, what, what got us to look into this matter is that in England right now, you have many grocers eliminating best before dates. So, and, and grocers are basically asking people to trust their senses uh, because they do believe it can reduce, uh, it can reduce food waste. And so we wonder whether or not Canadians are ready for this. And the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> not even close. I mean, it's not even a quarter of Canadians would actually be willing to see the elimination of best before dates at this point. Our food safety culture in Canada is unbelievably strong. And I think the one province where it is the strongest is actually Manitoba. So, oh, that's interesting. Do we know oh, why? Yeah, you, guys, you guys care about food safety for sure. Well, that's encouraging to hear. Sylvain, why don't we leave it there? And uh, I'm sure this is a topic of discussion we'll be seeing elsewhere throughout the day. We appreciate always the access and uh, the research that you find folks do. The food professor, Sylvain Charlebois in Dalhousie at Halifax. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
It's Mackling and McGarry, McNabb on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. We have tickets to give away for WWE Friday Night Smackdown, September 30th, Canada Life Centre. And We just had a conversation with Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, on the headline, Majority of Canadians Oppose Limiting Best Before Dates on Food Products to Reduce Food Waste, according to a new report. So we want to talk about your best before policies your philosophies what is your take on that have you ever had a bad experience or were you surprised like i mentioned the fact that i bought a jug of milk and took it home and immediately had to take it back because as soon as i cracked it open i realized it had gone bad and it was like way before it's best before date it went bad um or maybe you get i don't know you ever get in a fight with someone in your household about whether or not you should consume something that has hit its best before date. 204 780 Tell us the story. Greg Mackling, start with you. Well, uh, as you know by now, uh, I was a milkman once upon a time, and so those best before dates with your customers or my customers were, were critical, right? They would look at the best before date and they would say, yeah, I, I got to hand this back to you this is this is no good when you know that if you keep it cold if you keep it closed in the fridge you don't leave it on the counter milk can go for you know i'm not going to be the official spokesperson for milk but for me i you know three four or five days if it's been stored properly i have no problem but i'll never forget the time i pulled up to a customer's house it was nine o'clock in the morning i'd been up since 1 30 and this lady came running out the door basically with a carton of skim milk open going smell this smell smell this i'm like uh, good morning <laughs> can we start there and uh, uh what's the issue well this has gone bad you know what how about this i'm gonna go on the truck i'm gonna get you another liter of milk that cost me about 85 cents and i'm gonna give it to you and i'm gonna take that one i'm not interested in smelling your sour or stinky milk you just i'll take your word for it i don't know why people do that here taste this does this taste bad to you no i don't want to taste it Thank you. I, I trust you. It's the, the, let's let's move on. Let's make something else. So that's the rule with me. Don't ask me to smell it or taste it if you think it's bad. If it's bad in your mind, then let's move on. <laughs> uh, I was like your milkman stories, Mister Mackling. I just picture you. Did you wear a white hat? No, no white hat. I was the uh, most alternatively uh, dressed uh, milkman with my uh, high tops and my shorts in the summertime. And uh, oh yeah, I did not look like a milkman at all. Jeff Braun, what about you? No, I've never been a milkman either. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But as for best for uh, the best before dates, yeah, I, I'm pretty good at going along with them. I, if it's something I really want to eat, though, if it was like a chocolate bar and it was a week past, I'd still eat it. But if it's you know produce or something, I was like, nope, can't eat this. It's a uh, it's gone past its date. I'm just gonna have more bread. That's all I'm gonna do and just get by like that. The worst one example of it I ever saw though was my dad. He was he got up in the middle of the night one night and he was hungry, so he made a bologna sandwich which I don't know why you'd do that at 3 a.m., but he did, and uh, ate it, went back to bed, woke up a few hours later feeling just terrible. His stomach was doing somersaults, and he thought, what is up with this? Went back to the fridge and hauled out that bologna, and it was all green. Oh. <laughs> it was, like, way past the date, and he made the sandwich in the dark. So yeah, I guess he turn on the light, man. So, yeah, that's the risk you run with uh, middle-of-the-night snacking, I guess. <laughs> what about you, Forte? Uh, now, you know, um, I, I guess I get into arguments with my mom because she's the one who 
really like it's just a best before date. You know, it's not an expired. Like it doesn't. It's not going to go bad a few days after it's best before it dates. And I'm a pretty big stiffler on it, depending on what the product is. Like if it's craft dinner, I'll eat it if it's like months past its expiry date. Because it's dry. It's, you know, it's it's different. Like milk, I'll also, you know, like a week after it's best before it date, I'll still, like that's when I'm like really questioning it. But uh, like my mom, uh, I remember she at the lake one time, just like Braun in his story, she gave me pepperoni sticks take home and... There was no best before date on it. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay, and I'd take it home. I was about to eat them, and I look, and yeah, they were slimy and uh, a little gray, and I was like, Mom, Mom, like, why'd you give me these? Are you trying to poison me? <laughs> so what'd you do, just wash them off in the shower and then eat them anyway? Or no, what? I threw them out. I'm not going to eat that. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty uh, clean guy, so, you know, I... I eh. Yeah. So it's only beef jerky in the shower, not pepperoni sticks. That's a non-shower. <laughs> well, I've never tried that actually. Now, uh, sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I once, um, I once opened. Uh, I think I had a two liter of milk in my fridge, and I looked, pulled it out of the fridge, hadn't opened it yet, and it, its best before date had come and gone for two weeks. Oof. And uh, and the person I was with at the time looked at me and said, "You're not going to drink that, are you?" And I said, "Well, let's find out." And I cracked it open, and it was fine. Yeah, it sometimes it's still good. Yeah, sometimes it's still good. Um, like, 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 and I will agree with my mom that those are best before dates. That's when the product is best until that date. After that, you can still eat it, but I do, I do question some of the the best before dates. So, uh, pointers. What about you, uh, Fortune? I forgot to tell you. I got a clip here. I'll, 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 I'll cue you with the with the the word two thousand and one. Can can, we, can you do that for me? It's got nose in the title. Yep, I got it here. Okay, all right. So um, the worst was when my mom gave me a, 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 this glass of orange juice one time. There was like this film on the top. It was also at the cottage, and I like, I, I still like orange juice. I'll, I'll still drink it, but it like grosses me out to this day. But you know, the smell test is the ultimate test. Um, I know you guys just had on um, food scientist Sylvain Charlebois talking about the cooties and stuff like that too. But you can't smell. But 95 percent of the time, it's okay. You know, this is this wonderful gift of sense that human beings have been given the smell like that's that's like the main purpose of it is to tell you when food goes wrong. And if it passes the smell test, it's usually all right. And it's words I've lived by since 2001. If you die, always follow your nose. Are you going to argue with Gandalf the Grey? <laughs> always follow I your nose. I, I thought that was going to be Toucan Sam when I read the title. <laughs> no. Why would I use Toucan Sam when I can quote Gandalf the Grey? I don't know, because Toucan sounds a cartoon. When I saw that clip go in, I knew exactly who put it there. I didn't even listen to it. I didn't need to listen to it. I knew it was going to be from Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, courtesy of Cameron Poitras. Well done, sir. No, um, so, pleasure. Mackling, um, I see that we're getting some feedback at 204-780-6868. I like this one. Absolutely never smell does this taste off to you i cannot eat anything after one day before the expiry date so not even on the date it's before the date really yeah so that's from one of our listeners and jerry seinfeld does a great part of his stand-up he's like how do we know the expiry date on the milk does the cow pass it along to the farmer as he's milking march 17th that's your day march 17th (laughs) How do we determine this? Well, what about like jam? You know, jam can go like way, way past, and it's still fine. Like there's yeah. certain things. Yeah. Salad dressing. Who doesn't have 
a six month old salad dressing past best before date in their fridge right now. Most people, I bet. Anything that has sugar is always good. Like anything like like, like candy. Candy does not go bad. Yeah. Honey, honey. That's something that never goes bad. Yeah, I don't think honey ever goes bad. I think that's like like an actual thing. It's Bomber Game Day, 8.35. We're going to speak to Derek Taylor, and we have tickets to give away for that game. So that's coming up at 8.35. We'll speak to the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But right now, we want to get right into this. Uh, we want we touched on this earlier, but we want to talk about something scary that is continuing to happen to young people, young women in Winnipeg nightclubs. This was a problem in my bar hopping days some 20 to 25 years ago, and it remains a problem today. And Greg, it sounds like it's a big problem. We are talking about getting drugged, like someone spiking your drink. One of our colleagues has a friend who earlier this year was drugged at a nightclub, and she wanted to share her story because 20 of her friends have had similar experiences. Yes, 20. Her name is Maya. We're not using her last name. Yesterday, she spoke to CJOB's Jim Toth. So we were dancing, having a good time, whatever, and I wanted to get another drink. So as I was walking to the bar, I saw a girl that I know. So I stopped and I was talking to her and we were laughing, dancing, whatever. And I said, okay, well, I was actually going to go grab a drink. And she was with a few guys and they were all like, okay, well, how about we all go get a drink? And I was like, okay, sounds good. So we just went to the bar um, we ordered our drinks as we were all talking, whatever. Um, we went back to the dance floor and we were dancing. And I remember about five, ten minutes of that dancing. After that, I don't remember anything from that night. I last, my friends saw me, the people that I went there with, the guys saw me being put into a cab by a man in a suit. Um, I was slouched over could barely walk and they walked up to him and they were like what are you doing blah 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 so they pulled me away um they put me in a cab with them took me back to the hotel where i again don't remember getting there don't remember being in a cab anything like that um we got to the hotel room Uh, apparently i viciously started puking all over the bathroom i went unconscious they couldn't wake me up or anything until I started puking again, which I guess woke me up. Um, they said I went in and out of consciousness about three, four times like while puking. Um, and then eventually I just passed out on the floor there and woke up the next morning with everybody kind of being mad at me because they didn't like, they were like, seriously, like, why would you drink this much? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, like, I swear. I did not drink that much. I was like, I had four drinks and a shot. And for me, I know that's not too much for me. That's like just a regular <laughs> whatever. Shouldn't have had me at that point. Um, the next morning, I was shaking throughout the whole day. I couldn't drive. I drove everybody there and I couldn't drive home because my eyes were watering and I couldn't really see very well. It was like quite blurry. Bodies just shaking, everything like that. Got home, was sitting there, just felt really horrible i didn't know what was going on thought i might puke again luckily i didn't just very nauseous eventually later that evening i decided to go to the hospital because i was like something is not right here and like i've heard of other people being drugged and stuff i was like i'm like i'm sure i didn't whatever but i was 
scared, right? So I get to the hospital and I walk up to a nurse and I tell her that I think I may have been drugged the night prior. And she goes, oh, okay, like, uh, what do you want us to do? And I was like, I, I need to be tested because for me, this is something that I need to know if I was drugged when I was just out trying to have a good time. And she said, oh, well, actually, like, our doctor's not in right now. Like, we'd have to call him in. And I was like, okay, so call him in. And they didn't want to call him in until I got really hysterical and was, like, bawling my eyes out in the hospital. So they finally called him in. I got urine testing done and blood work done. And I can't remember if it was the next, I think it was two days later, I got a call back. And um, they actually said that they had found traces of fentanyl in my system from the blood work. And it totally changed my view on going out. I have not been out to the city since. I haven't done anything like that. I am very cautious with everything now. Of course, women have to be, but it'd be nice if we didn't have to be worrying constantly who spoke to Jim Toth yesterday about getting drugged at a Winnipeg nightclub earlier this year in April. If you want to hear the full interview, go to the Audio Vault at cjob.com. They spoke just after 1 o'clock on 680 CJOB. Well, I want to say thank you to Maya for for sharing this story, demanding answers at the hospital from the doctor. Fentanyl, like think about that, Brett. Uh, This wasn't anything that I ever heard of or heard about when I was younger in my bar days, but I have no doubt it was happening. Uh, but, the, you know, it was something post-bar days that I, I learned that this is a thing. Maybe I was just naive. I, I know I was on several fronts. So to imagine that this has been going on for as long as it has, and I think this is really brave of, of Maya to come forward and share this because you could hear even in her story, her friends were skeptical and, you know, accusatory, and, and that's a strong word, but it's just like, oh, why did you drink so much? No, no, I didn't. I didn't drink too much. This is what I think happened. And so there's that sense of mm, suspicion or that sense of are, are you sure about that? And so we don't seem to give the benefit of the doubt to folks when they're in these situations and they know something isn't quite right with them. And then to go to the hospital and to demand answers, she's done an incredible service, not only for herself, but for all young women, all young women who might be listening now and, and, and friends and family of young women who might go out to nightclubs. That is horrifying to imagine anything going into the drink. And then you take it up, I think, another level when you imagine that it's fentanyl involved. So uh, we're going to get out here, producer Forte, back in master control. But we'll tell you, we can tell you that we have asked Winnipeg police for more information. What should one do if they suspect they've been drugged? Uh, should they file a police report? Are there more reports of this happening? Are there any problematic spots where this is occurring? Because Maya uh, alluded to, we didn't, we left out the name of the nightclub in that replay, but uh, she says that that particular club, she hears that it is. A problem at that spot. So we're hoping to speak to Winnipeg police today at some point, or at the very least get some more information. And of course, we will share that with you when we get it.
Backling and McGarry. Want to win yourself some tickets for WWE Friday Night SmackDown? Tell us a story about best before dates. Ever had a bad experience with best before dates? What's your policy, philosophy on best before dates? Or maybe you've had, maybe you got into a scrap, a household scrap. Uh, over whether or not something should be consumed or tossed. And we're getting all kinds of great feedback, GMAC. So how about this? So I'm sitting at my kitchen table. This is from one of our listeners. And and you guys are talking about the best before dates. Suddenly I come across this post on Facebook. Forget about best before. Now I'm wondering who's listening to my iPhone or listening to my phone. And the listener sends us a screen grab of this article that showed up in their Facebook feed with all the different dates about when and uh, when you can get rid of these things when they're good till. And it sort of freaked out our listener. Yeah. On that note. We have spoken to cybersecurity experts who say that our phone, don't worry, your phones are not listening. But I remember I had a friend over and he was asking me about this piece of art that I have. And it's from a company called Displate. It's just an aluminum piece of, uh, you know, fancy poster that you just stick on the wall with a magnet. And uh, he had never heard of it, never looked it up. Ten minutes later, he opens Facebook and there's an ad on his phone for Displate. You're telling me that my phone's your phone's not listening? That's just too spooky. Unless it was a uh, proximity thing, like Facebook recognized that he was near me, uh, so they decided to target him with similar ads. But um, that's still that freaked me out, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Either circumstance is a little freaky, there, McGarry. It's time for the small town salute where we shake off any notion that we have perimeteritis and we head out to somewhere outside of Winnipeg. And I did that recently. I was at La Brokery Golf Course, uh, which is a great golf course, by the way, if you've never been. And they've they've uh, put a lot of uh, money into it and given it, and it's like heavily improved in the last couple of years. But uh, as I was standing in the pro shop waiting to just going to pay my fare, I look down at one of the tables on the in the restaurant and I see this thing for the poutine trail. And I remember that we've done that before. Uh, we've talked about that event before. And of course, uh, I probably shouldn't be talking about this right now because I'm going to be very hungry in about six or seven minutes time. But let's say, uh, Greg, why don't we introduce our guest? Yeah, Pat Gauthier is general manager of La Broquerie Golf. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, guys. Thanks for uh, making the time for us. A glorious day for golf, by the way. Have you got any tea times open? We do have some tea times open today, absolutely. All right, so there you go. There's the plug there, shameless, in fact. Tell us about <laughs> the poutine trail, Pat. Well, we got uh, sort of got involved uh, sometime this spring here when they, uh, the Sedam said that they were going to uh, start up the poutine trail again this year, and we said, you know what, let's, that's our specialty at the course because we've got uh, just on our own, we've got 25 different kinds of poutines. 25? Yes, sir. All right. I'm going on your website. Continue. Sorry for yeah. the interruption. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, so we decided, you know what, let's let's put our put our name in the hat here and, and get involved in this, uh, this great uh, initiative that they have. So we came out with a unique poutine for the, the poutine trail, a chili chorizo poutine. 
So what's on your particular poutine? I should point out, by the way, we stayed for lunch after, and I was looking at the the picture of the feature poutine, but as you mentioned, 25 different kinds of poutine. One of them is a like a chicken Alfredo poutine, and I've been curious about that for a couple of months, so I, I finally just had to to bite the bullet and, and have that. But that was a tough decision, Pat. But what's on your chili chorizo poutine? Chili chorizo, so we start out with a bit of fries. We got some... Uh... Uh, meat sauce, uh, some chili, um, we got some chorizo sausage topped with uh, a bit of uh, gravy and ranch and uh, chives. I'm looking at these poutines here, and the poutine trail could really start and end at La Brokerie Golf Course here. <laughs> Sweet potato poutine, Habs poutine, Battle of the Fries poutine, Mexican. Uh, you mentioned the chicken Alfredo, Cordon Bleu poutine, uh, Firehouse poutine. Like, you've got it all covered here. And uh, so I commend I commend uh, the creativity, not only on the ingredients, but the naming here. So obviously you're not doing this by yourself. There are other restaurants involved. Is there a rivalry that gets created uh, uh, amongst the, the restaurants in the area that are participating, Pat? Uh, it's a, come on, like a friendly rivalry. Yeah, let's put it that way. It was, we all wanted to get together and showcase all our different kind of poutines. So um, we'd like to get people to come out, try it out. And if the chorizo is uh, not up your alley, like I said, we got 25 different kinds, all the way from the breakfast poutine to, to more of a, a supper type poutine. So it's, it's all there. If you guys want to try it out, make your way down to the brokery. So the event started, the poutine trail started on August 17th. It runs until the 31st. And uh, how have your customers uh, responded to it so far, to the feature item? Uh, everybody's liking it. They're uh, great reviews. I've had it uh, twice myself. <laughs> and uh, no, it's, it's, it's a great, uh, great poutine. Not too spicy, just, just a nice, uh, nice touch to it. So. You're going to have to try the hole-in-one poutine next, Brett. Onion rings, peppers, cheese, and, of course, the the gravy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. No, it's- because I, I'll, sometimes I'll head out to the course, and then we we got to run right after the round, and I always think, ah, kind of want to stay for some poutine, but uh, yeah. I can't. So um, this goes until the 31st. Uh, have, you, have you been in contact with any of the other restaurants to see how things are going for them? I haven't had a chance yet, but I'll uh, I'll for sure make uh, probably make some rounds there and see if I can try out theirs uh, as well and uh, just compare and see where we're at. All right, well, Pat, thanks for popping on with us. Uh, we uh, on such short notice; it was like five minutes before the segment started. I thought <laughs> I should just call the golf course. So, Pat Gauthier, general manager of La Brokery Golf, thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the poutines that you try. Well, thank you. Enjoy the day, guys. The website, by the way, is poutinetrail.com. And uh, there is so sh- the chicken chef in Lorette has a poutine of pierogies. They've got pierogi poutine. Luce- Lucky Luke's Bar and Grill in St. Pierre Jolie has tortiere poutine. Mm. Uh, Timberline Restaurant in Richer or Richer has just the, what they call loaded poutine, which has green and red peppers, mushrooms, tomatoes, homemade chili, matzo cheese, gravy, uh, the aforementioned chili chorizo poutine at La Brokery, and then uh, Big Al's Burger in Notre Dame de Lourdes has Big Al's smoked meat poutine, and they Ooh. all look fantastic. Wow. You know, what a terrific excuse to go and explore southeastern Manitoba, but so is uh, 
the uh, CJOB discount golf cart. Uh, Brett, I know you take advantage of that. Uh, I hear your wonderful voice touting the exploits and the benefits of the discount golf cart. Is Does it work at La Brokery? Yeah, and they've got a great deal, two-for-one green fees. And I think the only restriction on that is Mondays um, because they already have a, a deal in place on Mondays. But, yeah, that's one of the best deals actually on the golf card. So more information on that at discountgolfcard.ca. And uh, he mentioned SEDEM, by the way. So that's the Economic Development Council for Manitoba Bilingual municipalities so yeah they're just putting the putting something together to celebrate our franco-manitoban communities and celebrate some french flavor with the poutine trail again poutinetrail.com and uh, by the way Mm -hmm. uh, if you try all these five poutines until the 31st that leads (laughs) that leads then into le burger week which starts on September 1st. So we're going we're gonna to talk to uh, the Burger Week tomorrow, actually, because we're still curious about this whole uh, vegan thing. It's all, they, you know, the, the headline is that they've gone plant-based, but it's not a requirement. It's an option. Um, so we're curious to know uh, just what the, the reasoning is behind going that way. So when when is that tomorrow morning. When is nothing but water week? Or uh, clear soup week, or or something like that. <laughs> man, my waistline is already out of control. And then you throw a, a journey to eat a bunch of different poutines, and then and then Burger Week isn't one week; it's two. And before you know it, we're in the middle of September and uh, starting to think about hibernation and, and putting on some extra weight to keep warm for winter. When will it end, Brett McGarry? I know, and I I have to have to lose ten to fifteen pounds uh, for an event that we're emceeing in October. Oh, I gotta I check to my get, suit too. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get into my suit, and I can't fit. And uh, but we've got these all these delicious things happening here, so it's tough. Uh, maybe maybe the way you do it is you walk to the uh, brokery or St. Pierre's. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. That would take. I wonder how long that would actually take. I'm gonna look it up walk. on my phone here. In I'm surprised meantime, my phone isn't just telling me that now that you've mentioned it. Because it heard you. Yeah. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week and next week from 10 until 12. In our next half hour, we're going to continue our conversation, our coverage of derelict and vacant buildings and the battle to keep squatters and arsonists out. What is it? Something over like 600 uh, vacant properties in Winnipeg, Mackling? Yeah, that's right, Brett. And so the number is growing. The concern over the impact that they have on the communities in which they lie is also gaining in concern because they are a magnet for drug use, for other sorts of criminal activity. It brings property values down. And so with that criminal element, it also brings more more crime to the neighborhood that might have otherwise been a flourishing neighborhood, one where people took pride in their yards and, and the appearance of their homes. Uh, Richard Cluche yesterday morning was reporting live from a neighborhood just like that in a home that up until just a few years ago was the envy of the neighborhood. And unfortunately, when the homeowner passed away, it changed hands and the ownership of that home changed hands. And so did uh, the care and love that was uh, heaped upon that home. So uh, it's a multi-level problem. Edmonton seems to have a hard-handed, some people might call it, approach to this, but they're serious about it and and 
many are wondering if it's time for Winnipeg to take a similar approach. All right, so that's coming up at 9.05. And in the meantime, I see, as I work from home today, I see an instruction that we might have some music to play here. Do we have said music ready to go? It is the Stamps and the Champs going head-to-head tonight at IG Field as we listen to the Blue Bomber fight song. The two-time defending Grey Cup champions look to sweep a three-game series versus their rivals from Calgary. Yeah, the Blue Bombers are, as you know by now, Brett, listeners, friends, coming off their first loss of the 2022 season. The Stampeders are coming off a win in Toronto, so all is well with the Stamps, right? Not so fast. Derek Taylor is the voice of the Blue Bombers here on 680 CJOB. Good morning, DT. Good morning. So head coach Mike O'Shea says his team doesn't worry about what the other team does or doesn't do. Here's an example of, of, of Mr. O'Shea's philosophy. I don't think it means much to a lot of defensive coordinators or head coaches. Or If we believe that guys on our roster can help us win football games, well, you certainly have to understand that they believe guys on their team, their roster, could step in and help them win football games. So the change in quarterback, there may be a couple different things nuance-wise. Other than that, you're playing football. They're playing their system. We're playing our system. Let's go. I know this is his public stance, DT, but do you think it might be just slightly different where one of the winningest quarterbacks in CFL history may not start even though he's healthy? Oh, it's it's a huge like it's a huge deal from a from a league perspective. But actually, as you talk more to O'Shea, uh, you kind of understand that you know what they can't radically change their system. They may call different plays, and guys have different you know desires in each of those plays. Bowley by Mitchell loves to move the ball deep down the field. Uh, Jake Mayer a little less so. So those are things that they'll adapt to during the game. So I've now come to believe him when he says that exact thing about the quarterbacks, but. From a, from a fan perspective, from a league perspective, from a history of the league perspective, this is enormous that Bo Levi Mitchell is losing his starting job tonight against the Bombers. Now, the Blue Bombers will be without receiver Greg Ellingson. Ellingson out of the lineup again, and they will also be without their star kick returner and sometimes receiver and outstanding tackler on Zach Caleros' interception, <laughs> Janarian Grant. So who's going to fill those spots? Well, those will be done by committee, at least for today. Uh, so, uh, Ellingson coming out of the lineup, he's on the six-game injury list with an injury that he suffered in practice this week. Uh, for the time being, Greg McCray is a guy who has been uh, receiver, running back. He can do some returning. He'll slide in. We'll probably, my guess is we'll probably see some of Tavares Harrison as well. Folks may remember him as a guy who caught a touchdown pass in the preseason game against the Riders. The return game, I they're going to divvy that up a little bit. Jamal Parker, who's a backup defensive back, is going to handle kickoff returns. Uh, Jamal is not a big cat. He's like five foot eight and 177 pounds, but uh, he can move and he is strong to go with all that. So he should be interesting to watch. And then kick or putt returns, 
We saw Nick Taylor, the starting halfback, lingering at practice, working on his punt returns, and we'd seen that in the last couple of days. So I think Nick Taylor is probably going to end up being the primary punt returner, but they have a ton of options in that, including McCray, including uh, guys like Tyrell Ford, the rookie. So that one may get shared around a little bit, but at least I think at least for the beginning, it'll be uh, Parker and uh, Nick Taylor who get the duties in returns. And don't underestimate uh, the, the impact that that change could have, right, DT? Because you have a situation where you have a guy in Grant who's used to handling the ball, used to handling kickoffs and punts. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do to field a punt. But then also you have the Canadian Football League rules thrown in there. And these guys, let's be honest, not all of them have grown up with these rules, and so there's some thought process involved when they're fielding a punt or a kickoff that uh, ends up in the end zone. So there's there's going to be some coaching up going on behind the scenes and, and probably just before each and every one of these punts in particular. Oh, 100%. We saw that in the Bombers game in Montreal, right, where the Montreal returner fielded one in the end zone, which was not a smart move at all, and ended up losing his job in that game. And I, I think he got cut after that right because he fielded one incorrectly in the end zone so we asked parker about that because he hasn't he hasn't done returns since college in 2019 he hasn't played a ton since he left college until this year but uh he he said i'm just going to do whatever the coaches tell me you know i know there i know the rules i know what's happening he's one of the the gunners on the punt team he's one of the guys on the outside who gets first down the field to try and make the tackle on punt team so he's familiar with the rules but he he said I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to catch the ball and I'm just going to do what the coaches tell me when it comes to situations like that. Because, I mean, it didn't it didn't change the game dramatically in week eight in the Mont- when the Montreal guy was getting it wrong. But like you say, it absolutely could. So uh, that is definitely something that we'll be watching at the park. Go ahead, Greg. Okay, well, I know you'll be discussing all things Blue Bombers and Stamps in the pregame show. And just so you can set your schedule for the day, I, I don't know if you know, it begins at 530 Five five thirty. Writing this down. Okay, okay so I should yep. probably be there about four thirty to enjoy some of the sights and sounds of the uh, the park. Including, there's rumors there's going to be a mechanical bull, and I think all of us need to go on that. What do you say? Well, if you're as good at the mechanical bull as you are at cornhole, then I say give it a try. Yes, cornhole champion. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, I'll be. I'm, I'm pretty obnoxious when I'm good at cornhole, so maybe I can be obnoxious on the uh, okay. on the bull. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, I think I hope folks are excited to have the the bombers back. And in this is the this is now the second best team in my mind in the Canadian Football League that's coming to town, and it's a great story with them switching up their quarterback and booting Boldy and Mitchell to the side. Uh, this is. This is going to be another good game. So, yeah, 5.30 start, 7.30 kickoff with Doug Brown and Ed Tate and Greg Mackling and Ted Wyman and Christian Amell and Marissa Turton and on and on. And the cast and characters is plentiful for tonight. I want to ask you one more thing because I know we'll discuss this uh, tonight. But just the idea of one team beating another three times in a football season is very difficult to do. I know Doug's got his take on that. And then you've also got the prospect, if not likelihood, that these teams are going to meet again in the playoffs for a fourth time. So here's the question for you. How much of the offensive playbook do you think Buck Pierce and the Blue Bombers have under wraps unused to this point in the season with maybe some of that in mind? Uh, I saw some of it. I had practice on, gosh, the second day, and I saw some of it yesterday at the walkthrough. So there's more to come. Let's There's there's much. As, as we've watched right through 10 games, 
they, they release a little more and a little more and a little more throughout the season. So uh, there's there's definitely some more uh, tonight. I I wonder, I, I let's just speculate between ourselves, uh, GMAC. I wonder if perhaps there might be more in having two quarterbacks on the field. I wonder if that may happen to show up tonight in the game against the Calgary Stampeders. Whatever it, could you be suggesting, Derek Taylor? I haven't even seen two halfbacks in the same backfield for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers yet, and I've been demanding that for over a year and a half. Uh, that's kooky talk, though. This is two quarterbacks. This is this is the new rules. Um, let's let's just keep our eyes peeled for perhaps new ways we might see Dakota Prukop tonight. Nudge, nudge. Derek Taylor, can't wait to see you down at IG Field tonight, tailgate area. Things get underway officially at 5.30, kickoff just after 7.30. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Derek Taylor is the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on 680 CJOB. Once again, pregame at 5.30, kickoff, 7.30 IG Field. Mackling's going to be part of that coverage. you got a long but fun day ahead of you, Mackling. you got the, the morning show, which is a fun job, and then you've got a round of golf. And uh, and then the bomber game. Can I call in sick for this- tomorrow? <laughs> now? <laughs> Can you I do that? No. better not. I would I never do you. that. I would never do that to you. Just like Agent Smith says in the Matrix, find them and destroy them. That's what I would be in search and <laughs> seek and destroy uh, to find you. But yeah, have fun today, sir. It is Mackling and McGarry. We have tickets to give away for our WWE Friday Night SmackDown. We were talking about best before dates. There's a new survey from Angus Reid that says most Canadians oppose eliminating the best before date to try to help reduce food waste. So we're asking you about your best before stories, like this listener who says, I'm still using chocolate syrup, which expired June 1st, 2017. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go on to say 36% whipping cream is usually good for two to three weeks after the expiry date. So I asked about the syrup. Is it still good? And they say, yep, especially on ice cream. Bought it when the grandkids were small. Decided to try it out again a few weeks ago. Now, is it the grandkids trying it out or <laughs> grandma or grandpa trying it out too? That's, that's a wow. Five years. Okay. That's brave. Uh, Al says had a fight with someone recently looking in my fridge that quietly, quietly threw away my jar of cheese whiz three months away from the best before it's cheese whiz, literally oil and preservatives that coincidentally taste like cheese. It's like cheese food. Yeah, it's like that's why they call it cheese with a Z. That's not really cheese. And we actually had another cheese whiz text from someone who said they pulled out a jar of cheese whiz, Mm -hmm. or so we thought. Mm -hmm. Turned out to be old mayonnaise. Oh, no. No, no. (laughs) Oh, gee. I was just reading Uh, that along with you. I hadn't seen that one. Yeah. Uh, Gerald also pointing something out. Um, He says, hey, guys, uh, do you know that there are expiry dates on prophylactics on condoms he says most guys don't uh rule them out far enough to read the date um but yeah there 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 is a date i think on the box and maybe even on the individual yeah on the packages yes yeah yeah um and uh gerald says that i sound like sam elliott i like that gerald getting a lot of very white comments yeah i was watching roadhouse the other day yeah i could hear the sam elliott you just do a little roadhouse roadhouse and tombstone two of my favorites i've seen in the last week or so amc god bless you um george says bought a coconut pound cake george is is sort of living an experiment right now right he yep. bought this coconut pound cake August of 2021, the best before date, September 4th, 2021. A year later, not a speck of mold on it. That's George from Winnipeg. And Brett, what did you ask him? 
When are you going to eat it? <laughs> he says he's saving it to see how long it stays mold-free. Might try a piece on the anniversary of Best Before September 4th. Okay, well, keep us informed on that one, George. I'm just going to read Herb's text quick, and then, Greg, you take the winner. Uh, but Herb says, a long time ago in 1996, after I moved from my apartment to her house, I knew my best before date was on my horizon when she said out of the blue, I don't like the way you breathe. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. That's what, a, what, else, what can you do about that? It's like the, the fundamental thing we all have to do to, to stay alive. So, yeah. <laughs> that shows up in your fortune cookie. You're probably packing up things and uh, moving out. Our winner today, though, is Howard. And uh, if for nothing else, we get to say the word jambalaya on the air. Howard says, used hot Italian sausages, peppers, etc. Then I cooked and added some fresh Chinese noodles that had been purchased at the store four days earlier. I mixed everything up, and as we were eating, something didn't taste right. The flavor wasn't what I expected, so my daughter and I ate it, and then we left to go play golf. About three hours later, after the game, after a beer, <clears throat> bad things happened, says Howard. Got home, went through the garbage, and found the container of neuters. It was rank checked the expiry date and it was about four months past but uh, i had just bought it from the store four days before uh, yeah good self-cleaning experience <laughs> finding the positive i like that howard <laughs> howard congratulations you're going to smackdown september 30th canada life center and we'll have one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow on 680 cjob <laughs> Before we introduce our next guest, our question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. A new survey says most Canadians oppose eliminating best before dates on food products to reduce food waste. How closely do you adhere to these dates? Once the date arrives, I toss it. I'm okay with a week or two. Depends what it is. Or forget the date. I just do the sniff test. You can cast your vote at CJOB. Com. Our next guest's last book, Johnny Appleseed, was a finalist. It was either one was a finalist or long listed for several awards, including CBC's Canada Reads, Lambda, Scotiabank Giller, Governor General's, Carol Shields, and more. And the Winnipeg Free Press, Brett, raved that Johnny Appleseed breaks rocks and crafts them into good medicine for folks like Johnny who might be looking to see themselves reflected somewhere and for whom this visibility might even mean survival. Making Love with the Land is the latest creation from our next guest, author Joshua Whitehead. And good morning, Joshua. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So this book is being described as a startling, heart-wrenching look at what it means to live as a queer, indigenous person, quote, in the rupture between identities. I want to learn more about that from you. But uh, we want to make it clear, this is not a work of fiction, Joshua. These are your experiences. This is your life. Yes, I've had to switch gears a little bit <laughs> straight into nonfiction. Um, but yeah, this is completely nonfiction, memoir, autobiography, a mixture of all of those to speak about that rupture of what it means to be, what it means to be Indigenous, what it means to be queer, what it means to grow up poor, what it means to be fat as a child, um, and all of those intersections in a broken constellation of a country that's colonized you. So, ruptured. It's, so, it's a, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brett. 
No, no, you go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say there, there's more than one battle, right? We, we talk about the different battles that, that we find in, in works of literature. And so this is very much, uh, this is, uh, you know, in quotation marks, man versus man, because you are, you are battling not only the things within your own life that you have to overcome, but also maybe some cultural norms and, and not only in overall society, but maybe within indigenous cultures as well. Fair to say? Very much so, and at the very much at the heart of this book is also thinking about how mental health, specifically in a pandemic and a lockdown for the last two and some years, has affected all of us. Um, and thinking about how to normalize and destigmatize and have conversations about what it means to be anxious, to have panic attacks, uh, to be depressed. So you are a two-spirit, indequeer member of Peguis First Nation. And, you know, there are, there's a lot of terms that we're, we're learning, and for some, they might not know exactly what that means. So could you maybe just explain what that means for those who are, you know, wanting to learn, but maybe just don't quite have it all down yet? Well, I would happily so. Um, so two-spirit is an Indigenous term that was coined in 1990 um, in Winnipeg, and is a term that it speaks to the longevity of Indigenous history as what we might call queer people now, or gender non-conforming people, um, or the people who are men who partook in caretaking, or women who partook in warfare. Um, so it speaks to the longevity of that, which is a much longer history than what we might consider gay or queer history here now in North America, which often begins in 1969 at Stonewall. And that's a small blip in a queer Indigenous history. So uh, can you expand on that a little bit more in terms of um, this, this role in, in Indigenous culture? Uh, uh, two-spirited was, was a tag that was created or, 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 a, or a terminology that was created recently, but this is something that throughout history was part of Indigenous cultures? Yes, there's a lot of actually amazing writers who I'll just quickly shout out who also explore this. Um, so Leanne, Leanne Simpson, Chelsea Vowell have written very beautifully about this. Billy Ray Belcourt as well. The, the point of the term, yes, was to kind of craft a term that was very specific to being indigenous on this, this land that we call North America or Turtle Island. Mm-hmm. And to kind of create space, create space for indigeneity to be not only about one's sexual preference or one's gender preference or one's perhaps um, biological sex, which it could mean all three of those things, but also one's community obligation to their nations and to their peoples. Um, so, for example, two-spirited peoples uh, are often called mystic, uh, revered. They were very much, I guess, revered. But the, the role that we would partake in primarily, I suppose, for an example, for contact was we were the aunties and uncles who would also take care of the children whose parents might have passed away. So it also entails roles and community responsibilities like that. We're speaking with Joshua Whitehead, author of a new book called Making Love with the Land, a nonfiction book. And in this book, you ask, Joshua, what is our relationship and responsibility towards the land? Uh, so what did you learn as you explored this thought? <laughs> I think it was very fundamental to surviving, um, at least through the depressive bouts of lockdown and COVID, um, to go off into the land when we couldn't really go anywhere else. And what I wanted to explore with this book and to hopefully show others is that 
when we think about the land and the lands that we are guests to, the lands that birthed us, and the lands that are, we are home to, is to conceptualize it as akin, perhaps, or as, a, as also as a member of the family, rather than as something we own. Because the land continually gives us air we breathe, the food we eat, um, and also the recreation that we seek. Um, so it's important for, it was important for me to conceptualize it as kin rather than as something that I am owning actively. It's a part of you. We're a part of it. The giver of life, uh, the relationship with sky, water, land is such such a big deal in, in in indigenous culture. And I don't want to use the wrong terminology here. So Joshua, feel free to correct me here. But mythology, can we use that terminology here? Yes, let's talk about that. That sounds great. Yeah. So to, yeah, talk a little bit about that and just that interconnectivity between you, you know humans and 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 the elements of life. Yeah, and I think for me it comes back to language. It comes back to story. Um, when we talk about, for example, Cree, which is what I can speak towards, uh, we don't have genders in Cree, which points towards what we might call queer now as being normalized within Indigenous communities before 1492. But it also speaks to, because we don't have genders and we don't have possessives like English, French, and Spanish do, we have animations. So when we speak about something like the river or a mountain, rock, the sky, we have to animate it. And when we animate something, we're actively in a relationship with it. So we're always in a plethora of relationships. <laughs> when we, just in speaking every day in Crete, which I think is a very different facet and mode of thinking versus English, right? Um, so, yeah, I suppose even just saying I am on the land within a Cree context would be I am in relationship with the land and everything about the land, the rock, the sky, the river, versus it's such a simple, a simple sentence in English. So before we let you go here, this book uh, set to come out late this month, I believe, or is it next month? It actually came out Tuesday. Oh, perfect. That's excellent. So that's good to know because we were there was a, the, the, the date uh, when we set this up a couple of months ago was still up in the air. But uh, one but one more thing um, in terms of the land, how has the land, how would you say the land has shaped? Uh, and then this is one of your questions. So I'll just ask it back to you. How has the land shaped our ideas, our histories and even our own very bodies? Yeah, I think about, you know, when we think about the land and where we are from, it's very much intertwined within us. Um, and it's an example I was giving yesterday, perhaps, I'll ask, someone asked me, like, well, how do we think about the land? We're in such a virtual space right now. You know, we're on Zoom, we're on phone calls, uh, we're on the internet. Well, and we have to remember, too, that the very land gave birth to the virtual space. The very land gave birth to the silicone and you know the, the data that we use for telephones like this. So it's always interconnected in that sense. So I think for me, when I think about the land, it's shaped me, it's taught me these lessons of how to survive in minus 40 and plus 40 in Manitoba. <laughs> but it's also taught me how to be interconnected and connected with people within the province, within the nation state that is Canada, and also virtually and globally across the globe. So 
very much a, a teacher at all times. Yeah, I would agree with you. As I'm sitting here on the 30th floor looking out over the, you know, first the city and then the, the northwest corner of uh, of the city, which becomes farmland. And then, you know, further, further west, I can't quite see it, but I know Lake Manitoba isn't too far away. And we so much define ourselves as Canadians with regard to our connection with where we're from and what defines us as, as to what sort of uh, geographical features might be where we live and where we choose to live. So it's all a fascinating concept to me, to us, uh, Joshua. Thank you for this. We appreciate it. And, and uh, visit with us again, won't you? Will do. And I can't wait to come back to Manitoba. And thank you so much for having me. It is Mackling and McGarry. We say hello to Loren McNabb in on Connecting Winnipeg once again today. Greetings, Loren. Oh, Brett, I do now need you to say Alcid Castilla in this deeper <laughs> voice. <laughs> I was wondering if that would come up. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, here we go. Do it. Alcid Castilla. Wow. I feel like there's a lot of commercial work for you in the next 24 hours. Yeah, that you capitalize, need to, baby. <laughs> that you need to push out. And while I'm harassing you about your gruff voice, which is not kind to me, would you guys, you guys don't cut off the moldy part of cheese and just keep eating the rest of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Does. Yeah. Oh, okay. You and bet. what about scooping the mold off sour cream and continuing to eat it? Yep. Yeah. Sour cream. How much worse can it really get? It's sour. It's sour. It's, it's right there, it's, right in the title. It's the first uh, word. Okay, good. I, I thought maybe I was just some sort of cheapskate, but I will save a lot of food that's well past that best before dates. So you guys kick this off with the food professor at 637, this chat about whether or not we should ditch those best before dates. We're going to bring on a nutritionist, a food safety expert, and, and all the rest to talk about, well, what does this all mean and what are the foods we need to wash, watch for? It's not as simple as Sylvain said, as giving it the sniff test and seeing if it's okay, because there's some pathogens you just you really can't smell so we're going to continue that chat at 11 o'clock we're going to go to politicians you guys had a great conversation just after nine with edmonton's fire chief on what they're doing there to prevent fires from breaking out in derelict and abandoned buildings so what are we doing here what aren't we doing here we're going to bring on a city councillor to talk about that at 10 15 of course we need to talk about the winnipeg blue bombers you know i'm going to sports away from 10 to 12, just a lot of sportsing is going to happen, Brett. And uh, if you've got any hard-hitting questions like what's your favorite uniform and food to eat at IG Field, I'm your gal. Okay, now. Dave is asking a very pertinent question. You may want to ask Ed Tate here, Loren. Sure. Uh, uh, awesome, it's country night, but won't it appear to be a home game for Calgary with all the plaid shirts and cowboy hats? I think Dave is trying to be uh, ironic there, but mm -hmm. uh, you might want to ask Ed about that because I'm, I'm not wearing a cowboy hat tonight. There's no chance I'm wearing that tonight. It wouldn't work for you. Uh, no? I can't see Greg in a cowboy hat. Can you? Uh, used to live not in Calgary. Really. Yeah, used I know. to celebrate uh, Stampede pretty hard. Show fit, me that photo where you had a hat on. pretty, pretty well, McNabb. Nope, Just not saying. buying it. Right. Not Did you have boots? buying it. Of course I had boots. Great boots. Yeah, you bet. What is happening here? Now, yeah. Brett, with this deep voice and the right buckle and some pair of boots, that I'd buy today. But probably not tomorrow once the voice returns. Well, one of the listeners said I sound like Sam Elliott. Today, <laughs> there you go. See? Which is, yeah, that's a, I'll take that. That's high praise. I'm, I like it. That, that's the one good thing about getting sick is I really like how deep my voice gets. <laughs> And because He's, I'm having to speak a little bit more quietly, 
in my apartment so I don't get kicked out of my place. I'm leaning more into the microphone, uh, which makes the voice even deeper. So I'm quite... And uh, one of our listeners also suggested, Loren, Michelle, I believe it was, suggested I could maybe uh, get a side gig for the next little while, making four ninety nine a minute on the phone. Oh, boy. <laughs> she went there, hey? Yeah, I'm not going to pretend the thought didn't cross my mind, but here we I are. don't know what you guys are talking about. What is that? What? You don't know. We don't need to spell it out for you. Okay, so we got tickets to give away for the Blue Bombers, pizza to give away, and we are going to have a chat as well at 1035 with the Salvation Army. We're still waiting to hear more about the assaults that took place earlier this week on Main Street, Logan and Israeli. We don't know the identity of those victims, but we do know life on the streets, 3, 4, 5 a.m. can be challenging. We're going to have that chat just after 10.30. What goes on for our most vulnerable in the dead of night? Loren McNabb on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12 on 680 CJOB. That's all the time we've got. Mackling, have fun at Niaqua. Have fun at the Bomber game. And we'll talk again tomorrow, sir. Sounds great. I'm going to go gargle gasoline and smoke three packs of cigarettes so I can try and catch up to you here on the voice side. (laughs) Feeling left out. Producer Forte and Master Control, great job as always, sir. And hey, thank you very much for listening to The Start on 680 CJOB.